begin a new series tonight. Uh, it's on racism, and we'll discuss it tonight and next week. Next week, we'll discuss uh, racial intermarriage. And you might wonder why, and I'll tell you next week. So you just come, and I'll tell you what. You might even wondering why I want to talk to you about racism. The reason is obvious. Uh, most people in here have either perpetrated uh, the hurt of racism upon another or have been hurt by the perpetration of racial thinking or behavior. So everyone, almost everyone in here has either been a perpetrator or victim of racism at one time, and maybe even some have occupied both roles. Sadly, it seems to be a part of the human condition, and so I wanted for that reason to address the question. This one in particular is pride in one's race wrong. Is pride in one's race wrong? Now, folks... Uh, the world is made up of all kinds of different cultural groups. It's quite wonderful. If you were uh, to find out a little bit about my cultural group, then we would give you a sampling of gefilte fish. And you would be polite, and you would take a bite out of it, and you would try to swallow it, and then you would say, excuse me, do you have a restroom? And you would spit that baby out just as fast as you could because you cannot relate to my particular culture. I remember once I was in uh, Russia, where Ludmila is from, and uh, I was being served, my son and I, by uh, a wonderful Russian lady, something called Borscht. And Russian what are they called? Babushkas? Ludmila Babushkas? That's like a grandma, something like that. Look at the lady from Buffalo, New York is answering. How do you know, Barb? You're from Buffalo. Speaking of another foreign culture? <laughs> so, okay. So, so here's the deal. Every cultural group has its own, it has its distinctive uh, fashion and festivals, and even foods. And it is perfectly acceptable for you, perhaps, to prefer the trappings uh, and distinctives of your particular culture as over against another. It's perfectly acceptable. I remember when I went to Louisiana for a spell, um, you know, hogs, hogs had cheese. It just didn't, it just wasn't as good to me as like a good potato latke or a bowl of matzo ball soup. So we're entitled to our cultural preferences. You are not a racist if you prefer your cultural distinctives is over against that of another. But you may be a racist if you take it one step further and say because that people group is different than mine, then they are worthless. They are less human. Now, if that's your thinking, you may, in fact, be a racist. Well, before we go further, I suppose I ought to define for you what I mean when we talk about racism. It's this. Racism is the belief that some people are superior to others on the basis of genetic 
and biological features. See, that's what racism is. And I want for us to see what the Bible has to say about it because we believe it is the ultimate, highest, final, supreme authority on these kinds of things. So I want for us to see what the Bible has to say about the subject of racism. Well, there was a fellow named Paul, Rabbi Shaul was his name, uh, and later it became Paul. And he was in a place called Athens. Many of you have visited there, beautiful place in Greece. And he was engaged there on a hill called Mars Hill. You can visit it today. He was engaged there in a rather uh, lively discussion with Athenians, uh, citizens of Athens who happened to be quite religious. And we could read about it in Acts chapter 17. I just want to share a few verses with you. Acts 17, and I'm going to begin in verse 22. Paul, it said, stood in the midst of the Areopagus. That's Mars Hill. And he said, men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all respects. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world, the God, one, not many, the God who made the world, the entire world, the one God who made the one world, and all things, the one God who made the one world, and not some of the things, but all things in it, since he is Lord, only one, of heaven and earth, and does not dwell in temples made with hands." So Paul begins his argument, really, with these religious people by making the point that there is a God and that that God made the world and all things in it. And here is the implication of what he's saying. If that God made the world and all things in it, that means the world God created and made includes all people. Do you agree? Yeah, that's what the Bible says. So, the point of origin of all created things, including people, is God. Are you with me so far? If there's one God, he's the Lord of heaven and earth, he created all the whole world and all things in it, and all things includes all people, then that means the point of origin of all created things, including people, is God. If you are a creature, if you are a human, you can trace your point of origin. Everyone in here, in spite of our superficial differences, even the different colors represent... You see, that's what these are. In spite of all the superficial differences, genetic, biological, physical characteristics, and all the rest, everyone here, any thinking, logical person has to say we all have the same point of origin. God is the singular point of origin for all people. And so in this sense, tell me if you buy this. There really is only one race, the human race. You buy that? 
Yeah, well, you should. It's viable. It's not only logical, but it's also biblical. Do you know from a scientific point of view, when experts analyze the physiological makeup of members of all manner of people groups, they find remarkable biological, chemical, physiological, chromosomal similarity. We don't differ that much from one another. Some of us are a little better looking, but as a general... One race, the human race. Then Paul said, verse 25, Nor is he, this one God, served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. So, God not only created all people, God doesn't need anything from any people, uh, and instead... He himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. So thus far, we have established two facts. Here they are. Number one, all people are created by God. And number two, all people are sustained by God. In other words, folks, we have a lot in common. Stop fighting it. Just because you don't like uh, the particular food of a particular cultural group or something like that, just because you look different than somebody else doesn't mean we have to opt for this superiority-inferiority thing. We have a lot in common. We have the same point of origin, and we are all sustained, fully dependent upon him. Not one person in here, red or yellow, black or white, could even take the next breath if the God who made us didn't put it in us so as to sustain us. So we really have a lot in common. So now a little bit more about how God created all of us. It's in verse 26 now of Acts 17. Paul said, he made from one man. If you had to guess, what would be the name of that one man? Yeah, it's Adam. He, God, made from one man, Adam, every, every, that's like all inclusive, not almost every, every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. So now we're told a little bit more about how God created all people. All people, we are told, began with one person. And his name, you identified him correctly, is Adam. So the people to whom Paul is speaking are the citizens, the residents of Athens. They're the Athenians. But they didn't buy what Paul was saying. They had a race problem. The Athenians were extreme racists. In fact, they believe their point of origin was entirely different than every other people group on earth. The Athenians believed that they originated from the soil, directly from the soil. And this was a great distinctive and an honor for the Athenians, which they took to mean they were different than any other people group on earth and all other people, groups who had different points of origin were of less worth and value than were they. In fact, they considered themselves to be special and everyone else barbarians. 
That's a race problem. So you see, here's my point. Even well-educated, sophisticated, and very religious people can be racists. The Athenians satisfied every one of those adjectives. They were well-educated. You know about Greek philosophy and all that stuff, Socrates and Plato. They make you study that stuff in school. I mean, these are some bright guys. Sophisticated. Have you been to Athens? Did you see the Parthenon up there on the Acropolis? It still stands today. You talk about architectural and engineering geniuses and the art in the city. Wow, well-educated, sophisticated. Religion coming out of their earlobes. So that one attends church, has a college degree, uh, and goes to art galleries doesn't mean that that one is immune uh, to the human uh, inclination to put down another people group in order to lift up your own. The only safeguard against racist attitudes is the mind of Christ. We'll examine the mind of Christ before we get out of here today. I'm in favor of legislation that renders illegal racist behavior, but that ain't going to do it. That just forces it underground. That can't change my heart. I need the one who suffered and died and then rose up from that cross to come inside of me. To affect the transformation, don't you see? So these Athenians had a big old problem. And Paul uh, says to them, hey, let me challenge your culture. Let me challenge your traditional thinking. Look, I know I'm in thin ice as a Jewish guy from up north. I'm like a Yankee and I'm in the south. And I respect the culture. And I know so many will say this weekend next, but I wasn't raised that way and my granddaddy told me never to, boom, boom, boom. And with all respect to you and your culture and your granddaddy, not one of those things is the highest and supreme authority. The Bible is. I got my traditions too. They're older than yours. But when they're sifted through the biblical grid, some of them have to be left behind. Racism is one of them that doesn't cut the biblical mustard. You got to leave it behind. I don't care how deeply rooted it is in your tradition and in your culture. It's not rooted in kingdom culture. And if you're a citizen of uh, heaven and uh, subject of the king, you got to shed this baggage just like Israel had to shed a lot of baggage in its wilderness wanderings. There'll be no place for this when we reach our promised land. You might as well get over it now and get ready for heaven because you're going to be sitting next to some people you probably don't want to live next to right now. So... Um, Paul says, forget about your culture and your traditions. I want you to know about Bible truth. And here's some Bible truth. And he made from one man every nation of mankind. And so Paul cuts through it all by simply making a reference to the Bible in order to challenge the thinking of the race, 
racist Athenians. He tells them, oh, no, 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 you're not superior to other people groups since the Bible tells us that all people groups come from the same person. So, folks, a little more logic here. Since all people descend from the same parents, no one people group can be inherently inferior to others. You see the logic in it? Racism is very illogical. (laughs) Not only is it wrong, it's flat out foolish. If every people group on earth traces its point of origin to the same two parents, then one group cannot be inherently superior and another inherently inferior. It doesn't work. By the way, do you know uh, who is the strongest propagator of racist thinking? Um, Charles Darwin and evolutionists. Because they just find along the evolutionary journey and through the process of natural selection that some racial groups simply did emerge as being superior to others. But if you believe that we have been created by Almighty God through the vehicle of Adam and Eve and you don't buy evolution, you just buy the dignity of all people based upon their divine origin, then there ain't no place for racism in your thinking. That's, that's, those are evolutionists, you see. That, that's much more dangerous than just saying you came from a monkey. I mean, that's fine. If you want to have, it's, this is much, evolution is much more dangerous than that. So, so here's the deal. Um, since all people, as I mentioned, come from the same people, uh, one group can't be inherently inferior to others. This would be racism Uh, almost by definition, and it's absolutely contrary to the Bible, which declares that God made from one person every other kind of person. So here's why I personally believe that pride in one's race, that's the question with which we opened. This is why I believe that pride in one's race as over against other races is unbiblical. I'll tell you why. It's because the worst... And value of people is not due to biological, linguistic, or cultural features. And those are the things that distinguish one race from another. But the value and worth of a person is not due to biological, linguistic, or cultural features. The worth and the value of people is due to the common divine origin of all people. Now, since all people have been created in the image of God, therefore all people are of equal value. I don't understand if you call yourself a Christian how you could see it any other way. I I don't see it. See, God says all people have equal worth because all people are created in his likeness. But a racist says... People have greater value if they are in his likeness. See it? 
God says you all have inherent worth and value because unlike any other created thing, I made you the crown of creation in my image and in my likeness. And the racist said, that ain't good enough for me to show respect to you and consider you to be my equal because you don't reflect my likeness. Can you see that? You know what that is? I'll tell you what that is. That's called blasphemy. Racism. (laughs) Pride in one's race. It's blasphemy. It's blasphemy against God who created all people in his likeness. And so if you denigrate a particular a group of people because of physical characteristics, you are denigrating the image of God in them. And if you put down God, that is blasphemy. Don't you see how serious racism is? Because each of us is created in the likeness of God, each of us has the same worth and value. This is what determines the worth of people, not the resemblance of people to the likeness of another group of people. Racism is blasphemy because it denigrates the image of God in the people he has made. I'm glad it's a legal issue. But much more importantly than that, it's a Bible issue. And if you call yourself, and I do, a person of the Bible... I may have to shed some ideas I grew up with that don't square with the Bible. So you see, pride in one's race, which elevates one's race above others, is really idolatry because it supplants God's image in each person with a requirement that people reflect your image. In racist thinking, human worth is based on human genetic and biological characteristics rather than on divine design. Now, folks, not only do all people have the same point of origin, do you realize that all people were created for the same purpose? Verse 27 that they would seek God, if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. So get this. God created all people. And God created all people so that all people would seek him. And this ought to lead us to this conclusion. That God wants to be found by all kinds of people means God has an indiscriminate love for all kinds of people. Therefore, how dare we not? God created all people for the same purpose, and that is to say that all people would seek him. If God wants to be sought and therefore found, that means he loves the idea that all people might enter into a relationship of intimacy with him. And we refuse to enter into a relationship with some folks who don't look like us. As if we have higher standards than almighty God. (gasps) Can you see how serious racism Well, I wasn't raised that way. 
Yeah, but you don't wear diapers anymore either, and you were raised with those. You know, some stuff you just got to get rid of when you grow up. Grow up in Christ. So, folks, God's invitation for all people to seek him, don't you see it flies in the face of racist thinking, which declares that some people are not to be loved, but instead are to be hated and demeaned and are to be put in their place and are to be kept in their place and are even to be murdered. God says, come to me, all who are weary, and and I'll give you rest. And the racist says, don't you dare get close to this employment situation, to this neighborhood, and don't you dare come near any of my family members. We'll talk about that next week, interracial relationships. So, folks, look, God sent his son to be the savior, did he not, of all people. If we don't believe that, I'm afraid someone's going to have to climb up on that cross with a can of paint and say, oh, attention, attention, this does not apply to everyone. Would you dare do that? The Savior came to be the Savior of all people. Therefore, racist thinking is directly opposed to God's offer of forgiveness and adoption to all people who accept him. In other words, God is more interested in a person's spiritual situation than in a person's physical features. Yeah, therefore we should be as well. It is so important that we as Christ followers have the mind of Christ on this. How else can we be living proof to every people group on earth that there is a loving God? Can you see how serious the divisiveness of racism is? I made a personal commitment. I will not engage in any so-called racial humor anymore. I'll not do it. It denigrates the image of God in all people. I won't do it. I advise you not to do it either. Would you think God's laughing at that stuff? You think he said, my heavens, that person you just made fun of is someone for whom my son died. That person you just demeaned and denigrated and disrespected is someone created in my very image. I'm sure glad you had a good time, but I'm not laughing. It's not funny. It isn't funny. The first church we went to, my sons were little boys, and one of the Sunday school teachers uh, told a uh, joke about my ethnic group. Uh, and it was a reference to the size of our noses. Mine used to be larger, but I've been spending a lot of time in the New Testament, and so... <laughs> so, I mean, i got to tell you something. That, that, that hurt my kids, and uh, I was really mad. And I, I was going to apply something to that person's nose. But instead, it showed me all the more reason why I'm going to stick around in the Gentile church. 
so that y'all can be more sensitive to a different ethnic group. Because you tell Jewish jokes, we've heard them like a bazillion times. <clears throat> I'm not going to tell them anymore. I'm just not going to do it. doesn't mean we have to be stuffed shirts. I just don't want to denigrate. The image of God in the people, not only whom he has created, but for whom he died. I just don't want to do that. You shouldn't either. So you see, because God is more important about a person's spiritual situation than their physical characteristics, can you see that the gospel makes race pride insignificant? And by the way, you know, racism is not the prerogative of only one particular people group. (laughs) It's a human malady. And so from God's point of view, pride in one's race, in one's physical characteristics, it doesn't loom nearly as large as God's interest in the gospel going forth to all people. You see, the gospel converts us from pride in race to boasting in the cross. There's a big, big difference when you're converted. And the grand conclusion of the grand inclusion of all believers in Jesus Christ is that he will be worshipped by representatives of every people group on earth. John, Yochanan, one of my peeps, John the Apostle, he saw it coming. And he wrote about it in Revelation chapter 7. And this is what he said. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could count from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne. Not one group on one side of the tracks and the other on the other. All of these people from every nation, all tribes, peoples, and linguistic groups, having something in common, standing before the... They have lots of differences, but they have the most important thing in common, and they're standing before the throne and before the Lamb, saying, salvation to our plural, possessive pronoun. They all had access to the Lord Jesus Christ. They all were owned and possessed by him. And so they all had access to his throne. And they all praised and worshipped him. And they cried out salvation to our God. They didn't say salvation to our race. Salvation doesn't come from the race in which you were born. Salvation has nothing to do with the language you speak, the culture in which you have membership, the color of your skin. Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Folks, they praise God throughout eternity for their salvation, not for their national, linguistic, or racial distinctives. No, they got rid of pride in race and replaced it with a boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. Race pride is misdirected, but boasting in creator God, who made us all, who sustains us all, who died for us all, 
and who saves us all who trust in him. Now that is something to boast about. Can you boast in the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ is yours? Just as you are. Can you say, oh, thank you, God, for making me the way you made me. You didn't make a mistake. Thank you for giving me the physical characteristics you've given me, the coloration you've given me, the language you've given me, the personal cultural affiliation. Thank you for all of that. But it means nothing in comparison to the fact that you have given me membership into your forever family consisting of people representing virtually every people group on earth. My dear friends, fellow Christians, get used to it now, or you're going to be one unhappy camper in heaven. So, Lord Jesus, of course we bow before you uh, now as a foreshadowing of what we'll do then. Rejoicing. And until we get there, we got to get ready for being there. We got to prune, be pruned from some stuff that's just baggage. It's from society, it's from culture, it's from tradition, it's from whatever. But if it's not from you as expressed in your word, we got to be pruned of it. And this too is part of discipleship. This too is part of being like the king of kings. This too is part of growing up in Christ and maturing in Christ. Oh God, there is racism, but it has no place in the church of Jesus Christ. And it has no place in the hearts and minds of the people of Jesus Christ. Thank you, oh God, for seeing two people groups, those who have the Son and those who do not. We pray for those who do not, and for those who do, we pray that we might be living proof of a loving, accepting, and holy God who will have anyone, just as He is, who comes in repentance and confession of sin and takes His personal Savior. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.